Greetings, Valley Church. My name is Jerry Foster, and uh, I am a, an attender at Valley Church for the last 20-some-odd years. In fact, Nancy and I started coming in uh, 2001. Uh, I'm married to my wife, Nancy, for 44 years, uh, and uh, we have uh, four children, uh, 15 grandchildren, which keep us incredibly busy. I'm a businessman here in West Des Moines, and it's an honor to be with you today. I don't take the responsibility of this platform lightly. So if you don't mind, would you just join me in prayer as just asking God to be present and that I'll be able to deliver the message that he has put on my heart. So pray with me. Father, we are uh, grateful. We're grateful for this, uh, this new year that we are looking at. Grateful for the, the surprises, the blessings, the trials that are, will come our way. We pray, God, as we look at this new year, that you will prepare our hearts, that we will be found faithful. God, that we will, um, we will experience your pleasure in all we do. Be with us today. Be with me as I deliver this message that you put on my heart. I pray, God, that it will stir the hearts of those that are listening. We just pray this in your name, Father. Amen. Well, Quentin asked me a few weeks ago if I would um, give the message this weekend. Uh, he told me if I wanted to do it, since it is uh, the, the January 1st weekend, if I wanted to do it on setting goals uh, for the new year, to go with that. He told me to do whatever I wanted to do. There's something about January 1st, a new year, that seems to give us permission to kind of forget about everything that's happened in the past. If actually, from yesterday, we kind of start brand new, and we look forward to doing all kinds of new things in the next 365 days. I'm a goals-oriented person. Uh, each year I start out writing my goals. In fact, I have a journal that I write in every year and I put the goals in the beginning of that. Uh, it's fun to go back and look at some of my goals and uh, just see how I've done, which usually isn't great, but it's, a, it's an amazing thing to be able to be shooting for those goals. For me, setting goals is striving for, to be all that I'm meant to be. So the first place that I went to when Quentin said do something on goals if I want to, I started thinking about what would that look like. And the first place I went to in my, my mind was Philippians 3, verses 13 and 14. Look what it says here. Paul is writing to us and he says, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Well, this could be a really great uh, message around this. This is the heart of the message. Uh, throw in a few words about the first part, uh, forget what is behind, but then really dive into this strain to what is ahead. Press on to the goal. I, I love these words of encouragement. It kind of creates a Braveheart kind of a moment. Let's capture this hill. So we have the makings of a great message about charting a new course in 2023. In fact, I would guess that this piece of scripture is being taught in numerous churches today, as it should, because it's a great encouragement. However, as I was looking at this passage, I was drawn to look at it from a little bit of a slightly different perspective. When I look at what Paul is saying here, he says, forget what is behind. And that sounds really great, doesn't it? I mean, be able to just say, we're done with that. Let's we'll start brand new, fresh, clean slate. It seems kind of freeing to be able to do that. But do we really think that Paul is literally saying, 
blot it out of your memory, blot out your past, just start fresh with everything? I don't think so. Because do we think that Paul was saying that he and everyone else should just forget that he had persecuted the Christians? I think there's a lot of pain in this uh, for Paul, but he was able to come to grips with that and he experienced God's grace and his mercy and there was no shame in what he'd done, but I don't think he ever really forgot what had happened. Was he gonna forget the encounter that he had with Jesus on the road to Damascus? Was he gonna forget going blind? I don't think so. Uh, is he gonna forget going to jail for the gospel, being mistreated and persecuted? Was he gonna forget about how he was stoned and attacked with sticks and how he was abandoned in the extreme cold and hunger and how he received 40 lashes minus one five different times? Do you think he's gonna forget that? I don't think he will. I think we have to look at what else Paul said in his writings to gain some context here. If you go just two chapters back to Philippians 1, verses 12 and 14, Look what it says here, it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. So Paul is traveling around uh, from city to city. Uh, he's preaching the gospel. He's planting churches. He's encouraging others. I mean, things are going really great. When suddenly he's arrested and thrown into jail. Uh, what was God doing here? What was going on? I mean, suddenly Paul couldn't uh, carry on with his plans. God had seemingly pressed the pause button. But to the contrary, look what Paul wrote in verse 13. He says, as a result of being in jail, by the way, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole police guard, palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Now look what he says there. He says, because of his chains, because of his suffering, because of the trial he was in the midst of, um, instead of complaining, Paul saw that his imprisonment was a great uh, gospel opportunity. Instead of being a victim here, Paul was choosing to become a victor. His imprisonment was no accident. When the world wants to, to put the gospel behind bars, God uses such barriers to further his purposes. The jail sentence did not put Paul's life on hold. It was the very means by, whereby God was completing his work. Without this experience, Paul would not have been ready for the day of Christ. This should encourage us all. It should encourage us all because it shows us that whatever circumstances, whatever the events are that we're experiencing in our lives, God can and he will use them to achieve his purposes. So here's the question for all of us. See, if you are in Christ Jesus, what's happening in your life or what has happened in your life that perhaps has been your deliverance? What is happening in your life that has catapulted you into a deeper maturity in faith? What's happening that has put you in a place where you're ready for the day of Christ? And then equally important, what's happened in your life in the past 
that could have been an opportunity to catapult your life, your faith, uh, deeper and closer to God. But the problem is you didn't see it as an opportunity then. You missed it. We're going to talk more about that in just a few moments. What Paul is saying here in Philippians 1 is he's saying that what happened to him in the past and what's happening to him right then, at that moment, it all mattered. In fact, it's the reason that the gospel was being spread. So when Paul says in Philippians 3 that we are to forget, when we put that in the context of his other writings in Philippians and some of the other books, and when we understand what the word forget really means here, it means to set aside. It means that we're to put aside, let go of the, the, any bitterness in our life. We're to let go of unforgiveness, anger, pride, arrogance. We're, we're to stop rehearsing the hurtful events that we've experienced. We're stop, to stop opening up old wounds. We're to forget in that we no longer allow the past to define us or to hold us captive. We too are moving from being victim to victors. We're to let go of anything that prevents us from being completely devoted. However, when we let go of that, we must never ever forget the lessons that we've learned and the work that Christ has done in the midst of our most difficult times. So what do we take away from this? I have some thoughts on that, uh, you know, I've, that I, I want to put it kind of into an analogy for us. Uh, I've been working for 35 years in the financial world, uh, in the uh, investment world. And so I, I have a, a little bit of a, an analogy here, a word picture that I think will help explain this. We all have experiences in our life, and so I, I like to think that we have this experience portfolio. And this experience portfolio kind of captures all the things that we've experienced when we make deposits into it. The deposits that we make are, are life, from our life experience are wisdom. Wisdom that we've gained as a result of the things we've gone through. Uh, insight. Insight as to you know, things that we've learned and picked up and figured out as a result of our experiences. Knowledge, things we didn't know before. And as we walk through life and those life experiences, we make deposits into that experience portfolio. And as we make the deposits, we build up equity. The thing about this equity is we build it up. Throughout life, we begin to make withdrawals. And as we make these withdrawals, we're making them in order to make uh, new decisions that we come up, uh, that we need to make. Uh, we may use the, uh, the equity, the wisdom, the insight and knowledge to, uh, to help perhaps in our mentoring of other people. We certainly make those uh, withdrawals as we walk beside others that are experiencing pain and difficulties. Well, I like to think of this as, this is when ministry begins to happen. When we allow God to walk us through life, to have experiences, to accumulate wisdom and insight and knowledge, and then we step beside other people and ministry happens as a result of that. So one of the things that I've, I've done with people as I've kind of walked them through this exercise is I've helped them really just step back and figure out how do they go back and recapture some of that. Now we don't have the time to do this, but I'm gonna give you the tools to think this through. What I would do is I would have uh, a group of people that I'm working with to just stop and go back and think about far back as I can, what's your first memory? 
and write it down. And then start thinking about what were some of the defining moments in my life. Things were, things happened that I know created uh, a new direction for me or shaped who I am and the way I think. And just start listing those out and writing them. I was doing this with my wife on a plane here uh, a few months back. And as we were uh, on this three hour flight, I was walking her through this exercise and she started writing. And she wrote for three hours, everything that she could remember. But then the next point's kind of the hard point is I said, okay, now you need to pick out the top 10 to 15 defining moments. Just go in and pick those out, the ones that you believe are the ones that God really was at work, and pick out those top 15. And what you're doing is you're creating an inventory of those life experiences. And once you've got those top 10 to 15, then what we need to do is we need to take each one individually and begin to ask ourselves, what's the wisdom, the insight, and the knowledge that I gained from that? And perhaps what's the wisdom, insight, knowledge that I missed because I wasn't thinking about it. What we're doing here is we are reclaiming equity. We're going back and recapturing some of the things we might have missed. Our human nature, when we're walking through difficult times, is we just want to get through it. We don't want to take the time to really understand or to learn from it. We just want to get through it. It's our human nature. So going back and thinking about what did I miss really can begin to equip us and understand how God may have been shaping our lives to be used by him. What we do next is then we, we uh, do what I call building your story. You can see here on the, uh, the uh, slide here, this is my story. And what I did is I took my top 10 to 15 and you draw a line across the page, birth, across to, uh, to today, and you literally go on there and you begin to plot out on that graph those, those 10 to 15 defining moments. And so you can see mine here, and you can see there's a line that goes across, and if it was a, a negative experience, I, I, I mark it below the line. If it's a positive, I mark it above. And there are degrees of negative and positive, but you just plot the way you see it uh, playing out. You can see mine there. Um, the, you know, I, let me just share a couple with you. The first real memory that I have of a defining moment took place when I was 12 years old. I went in for a football physical, and uh, they detected a heart murmur. They sent me over to Iowa City to go through tests and to determine that I needed to have heart surgery. Now, this is 55 years ago. And 55 years ago, when you had heart surgery, you were in the hospital for a period of time. It's not like today where you go and have a heart surgery and the next you know, two or three days you're home. Uh, we were in for a while. And so here I was, a 12-year-old, uh, hour and a half, two hours away from my home, uh, away from my friends, away from most of my family. My mother was there. Uh, but I was scared, and in the process of all the tests, uh, they discovered I had a, a spot in my lung, and they wanted to, uh, they didn't have the imaging that they do today, so they were gonna, you know, trying to figure it out, and they concluded they were gonna perhaps have to do exploratory surgery to look for a source of that, uh, that uh, tumor that they found on my lung. So here I was, I was, now I was scared. I'm looking at potentially cancer after just having heart surgery, and I was uh, down there at Iowa City in the fall, down there at least over two or three Saturdays. And there was, uh, Iowa was playing, the Iowa football team was playing. And uh, this was the old building and I would walk down to the end of that hallway and it was either in the, the end of the hallway or actually in a stairwell where there was a window. And I stood there on a Saturday afternoon and I looked down on the stadium. You, then all you could see was the very north end of the stadium. And, and that's it, you couldn't see any of the field, you could see the people in the stands. And I looked down and I could see 70,000 people 
either in the stands or roaming around outside the, the football field, the stadium. And I remember looking down on it and saying, they don't even know I'm here. They have no idea what I'm going through. Now, I'm an Iowa State fan. In fact, I was Psy. I was the, that was the mascot at Iowa State, so huge Iowa State fan. But I'm gonna tell you something, one of the most meaningful things I've ever seen is watching what happens now down at Kinnick Stadium at the end of the first quarter, when all of the fans and the team and the referees and everybody, they turn and they wave to those uh, patients in the pediatric, the new pediatric hospital, where they get to sit and watch the game. And as they're waving at them, I'm looking at them and saying, that's me. Except when I was there, nobody noticed. That had a huge impact in my life. That, that changed me forever. I now, when I, as a 12-year-old, I understood loneliness, despair, not being noticed, and, and that shaped the way I look at life today. One day when I was really uh, depressed and feeling sorry for myself, I went for a short walk. And back then you could just kind of roam the hospitals. And I walked down, I can still remember, I walked down the hall, I turned left, walked for a little bit, turned right down another hall. And when I got down that hall, I, I found myself on the burn unit. As I walked down these, these, the hallways, I looked into the rooms and I saw room after room of patients that were burned from head to toe in agony. And I remember thinking to myself as a 12 year old, wow, no matter how hard I think I have it or how bad it is for me, there's always somebody that has it worse. And that shaped the way I look at things. My wife says that I'm an eternal optimist when it comes to just long-term goals and vision. And yeah, that might be part of my DNA, but I believe that that experience shaped the way I look. We see on that chart a couple of other uh, defining moments, um, but one I want to just mention quickly is you see uh, this one that's another downtime. Uh, this is not a particular event, this is a period of time. This is the first 10 years of my marriage. Uh, we, Nancy and I tell people we've been married for 44 years, 34 of which have been happy. Well, those first 10 years were, were horrible. They were, they, were, um, they were a train wreck. We were on this pathway to destruction. We, we literally had a place where we hated each other and we just didn't know if we were ever gonna make it. But through all kinds of things, through cross trainers here locally and through, through different ministries, uh, we, we were able to turn that around. And this is how God works. God took a marriage that was on the rocks, ready to end. And through our good friends at Rossbergs, you can see the next one you see is a high point. We were asked to join the family life team and to speak about marriages. And so we stand on, stood on stages for 22 years and shared about our marriage, about marriage, the way God's designed for marriage. But you know what? We didn't share from the way we did it right. We stood on the, on the stage and shared our struggles, shared what we learned when things were really hard. And that's the way God works, is he takes those times and he gives us those moments where he teaches us and then he gives us opportunities to give back and that's a really cool thing about our life experiences. You know, you go through and there's more ups and downs, but here's this next one. This next one was uh, 12 years ago, I was diagnosed with a really rare form of cancer. It's ocular melanoma. Very rare, six in a million people. Uh, and it has a, a, a direct path from the eye to the liver. And if it goes to the liver, it's deadly. And so there's about a 50%, there was a 50% uh, survival rate in the first five years. Well, I'm 12 years out, so we rejoice. But that took us through a dark time where we were trying to figure out what does this mean? What's this look like for us? And so we walked through that, 
But then you see there's another upside because as a result of that, changes in our lives and things that happen that would not have happened had we not experienced cancer. And then you see these last two in the bottom and uh, just a couple years ago I was diagnosed with a second cancer that threw us into that, uh, that process all over again, thinking through what's going on, how's this change in our life? And then here just this recently, uh, just a few months after the cancer, uh, I experienced some ex uh, significant back issues and found myself flat on my back for uh, nearly two months, unable to do anything, and eventually had back surgery. And to this day, I'm still dealing with nerve pain in my legs and my feet, balance issues. And I'm looking at this and saying, what is going on? What am I learning? But I look at that and I think, all right, God, I've seen the way you've been faithful in the past. You've used the down times to create opportunities to share. And I know that God is using this period of time right now to, serve, to, to minister to other people at some point, even now and some point in the future. See, I look at these things and I wouldn't redo any of them, but I wouldn't trade any of them either. Nobody likes to go through those, time, those tough times, but when I look at what I've learned as a result of that, I wouldn't change it. It's given me a whole different perspective. perspective. It's given me numerous opportunities for ministry to encourage others. What I can tell you is this, is God has uniquely equipped me, he's equipped you through your life experiences in your own life, mine and mine. He's equipped us uniquely to be able to fulfill his plan and to be able to, um, to experience his joy in our lives. Look what Paul said in Philippians 4, 11 through 13. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all, all this through him who gives me strength. You know, when you think back at that chart, my story, and you, you'll do it with your story, you see the ups and the downs. And Paul, he addresses this right here. He says, there will be good times. And there will be hard times, though, uh, but though through them both, we learn and grow. We just learn to accept those and to walk through those and being content and patient, regardless of the circumstances. We learn to suffer, but we also learn to celebrate. We seek forgiveness in the hard times, we also learn to forgive. We heal, we grow, all of it is to his glory, all of it drawing us closer to him. So look one more time at Philippians 3. Remember, Paul says, But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, as, as we strain, as we press on to that prize, as we focus on our calling, we need to remember and understand what has gotten us to where we are today. We have, we've had all those life ex experiences, and we'll continue to have those, but we're having those as he prepares us for the day of Christ. One thing I know is, is that God has been with me every step of my journey. He's carried me. He'll carry you. He's taught me. He'll teach you. He's equipped me. He'll equip you. All that we are doing, whatever we're going through, 
what I know is it will draw us closer to him, and through that, he will be glorified. Every one of us has our own unique journey. But here's a kind of an interesting thing is that as we each have our own unique journeys, our own stories, God gives us opportunities for our paths to intersect and for us to step beside one another and to, to suffer together, to, to celebrate together, um, that we might have victory in the end together. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 7. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. Well, I think it's probably pretty safe to assume that the, the major theme of that passage is comfort. You know, when I was diagnosed with that first cancer, and I was looking at a pretty grim prognosis, I spoke about it one day at Cross Trainers, which is the men's group here uh, in Des Moines. And my friend uh, Galen Verink was in the, uh, uh, the group that day. And after I spoke about my journey with cancer, he asked if he could meet with me. And I, Galen and I had been meeting together, and, and uh, I'd been doing a little bit of mentoring. And uh, so I said, sure, let's get together. And so we got together, and in that conversation, and uh, he said, Jerry said, I don't, I don't know how I would respond. I don't know if I could do what you're doing to walk through that, that prognosis and f trying to figure out how to navigate it. I don't know if I could do that. And I said, you know, Galen, when the, uh, when the time comes, you'll rise up. I know that you'll meet the challenge. It was only a few weeks later that uh, Galen one day uh, had a pain in, the, in his back. And he went to the doctor and literally within hours, uh, he was diagnosed with uh, cancer in his liver. So Galen and I, were, uh, we were experiencing comfort together. Over those next few weeks as he was failing and I was wondering about what my prognosis would be and whether or not I was gonna be on the same pathway. As we met together, there was deep, uh, deep friendship and deep communion and deep uh, um, encouragement to one another. But as Galen began to, uh, to fail uh, quickly, um, and the, the outcome was pretty obvious, I remember saying to him one day, you know, Galen, um, I'll see you on the other side. And he looked at me and said, Jerry, he says, I'll scout I'll scout things out for you. And uh, the comfort there in the midst of the deepest, uh, deepest trials and suffering was incredible. See, that's what it is that God expects, uh, wants for us, is he wants us to experience that kind of comfort together as a result of our life experiences. He didn't want us to stuff them and, and completely forget them, but he doesn't want us to be defined by them. He doesn't want us to be uh, captive by them. We, we go through those experiences and we step into them, we learn, we grow, and then we grow together with one another. I can tell you this, I take incredible, I have incredible amount of comfort in knowing 
that we're all in this together, all of us together. You know, let us embrace our experiences and share the comfort, grace, and mercy of Jesus Christ. Let us strain toward what is ahead. Let us press on to win the prize, the prize that God has called us to in Christ Jesus, and that's heaven. Let's pray. Father, we are um, we're incredibly blessed, Father, that we get to walk through life. We get to experience the ups, the downs, the trials, the celebrations. Father, through it all, you're with us. You walk with us, you carry us, you teach us, you mold us, you shape us to be the people who are going to be used by you to proclaim the truth and to share with one another. God, I take comfort in that. We take comfort in you. As we walk into 2023, Father, help us keep our eyes on the prize, to press on, to strain toward that goal. Father, we pray this in your name. Amen.